You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson, starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. I don't know that our excitement level will match Steve Rabel's, but it's pretty close when the Seahawks are 5-1 and one to start the season. Gives us a little extra pep in our step. And the us that I am talking about, Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for the Seattle Seahawks, alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. You've got an extra pep in your step, don't you? I do. I don't know if I'm going to be dropping any holy catfish on the podcast, but, you know, that's, we'll leave that one to Steve. Yeah, but, you're yeah, going to have to come up with your own catchphrase. It's been fun, though. I mean, I like I like what we've seen so far out of this team. Yeah, and, you know, I, I realize, again, we're talking about a win that was not pretty by everybody's standards, but I do think it underscores how hard it is to win games in the NFL because it could easily have gone the other way in a lot of these games, but what you're seeing is resiliency, and I think the Seahawks learning from some of their early season experiences, they couldn't come back against the Saints. They found a way to do it against the Browns. Yeah, and, you know, I came out for his last year or two years ago, whenever, but Pete Carroll kind of joked after a game like this. He said, you know what? Suck it up. Sometimes it's hard in this league, and I've pointed this out a million times, but you can go back and look at the best season in franchise history, Super Bowl winning season. They were down 21 nothing at home to a bad Tampa Bay team. They were down double digits in the second half in Houston and needed a pick six from Richard Sherman to win that game. I'm not saying, look, this is a Super Bowl team for sure and let's just crown them or anything, but it's hard in the NFL. And to me, what's more important than being able to blow teams out is to win ugly and win tough games. And one of the best traits Pete Carroll has as a coach is and it goes to the quarterback too is they believe that whatever's going on they're in a game yeah I was just about to say go back and look at that 2013 team compare the scores look at what happened and then notice when they started to turn the corner it was the middle to the later part of the season when they started to roll and that's exactly what you want to have and that's Pete Carroll coach teams have always been strong finishing teams and the difference between some years and 2013 and obviously what we hope would happen this year is some years they scuffle a little bit early and their record's not great and then they get hot and they're a playoff team, but maybe they're 10 or 11 win team. Whereas in 2013 and what we would hope would happen this year is you scuffle a little bit, but you're still winning those games, your record's strong. And then if you can finish strong, that means, you know, big things can happen in the postseason. Well, and I think this week will be a big test against the Baltimore Ravens just because of some of those numbers. And I realize, you know, the Ravens have had some similar opponents to the Seahawks because we are playing that division. They have played the Bengals, and, you know, they have played Pittsburgh. They they have played all these teams that have scuffled a little bit, but this is going to be a big test. Before we get into what this head-to-head matchup looks like on Sunday, I want to go back to a few things that we learned about this team last week in Cleveland, and I'm going to start with the first downs. 29 first downs, that is the most by the team this year, and I'm not going to lie, that stat surprised me a little bit when I went back and saw it. It did, and, you know, I think what kind of made that – we kind of lost track of the offense last week because when I watched that game in real time, you're thinking, whoa, the defense is struggling, they're getting buried. But as that was happening, the offense was still playing pretty well. Like, they missed a kick – They didn't convert in the red zone as much, so the points weren't coming quite as much. But this wasn't one of those games we've seen, especially on the road, where maybe the offense scuffles a little bit, has the three and outs early, and gets hot late. 
they scored a touchdown on their opening drive, and that offense played really well pretty much the whole game. There are a few blips, but I, I really like just whole-body work what we've seen from this offense. And you know what we didn't hear, at least on the radio broadcast side? The names of Jamarco Jones and George Fant, who were playing in place of DJ Fluker and Dwayne Brown. You're missing two starters on the offensive line. You still put up impressive offensive numbers, which, of course, impresses Pete. Uh, Jamarco did another nice nice job. He was very consistent again and, and uh, held up his end. Uh, that's two really great showings for him. He did a fine job for us. Um, George was did a really nice job in the running game. Had a couple opportunities in the past game. We like to clean up some of his sets, um, but was pretty typical for a first time out uh, starter against some good guys. Uh, he did a good job though. You know we really were able to maintain the style of play and everything with those guys out there. And uh, uh, Joey contributed a little bit of tight end for us as well. So um, I think the coaches did a really nice job of mixing and matching and, and uh, keeping us on track. Even without the two starters in there, you still score the most points that this team has scored in the regular season. And Chris Carson rushes for over 100 yards for a third straight game. So I would say those guys, they are more than just placeholders. And we don't know what the status of Dwayne Brown and DJ Fluke are. We probably won't know until game day. I'd say everybody's comfortable with it if they need to move forward. Yeah, they really liked what they got out of those two. Uh, Luckily, it doesn't sound like Dwayne Brown's out for a long time. It, you know, Pete Carroll said basically if he doesn't play this week, he should probably be back next week. If anything, what getting healthy will do more is with Will Disley out now is you need that help at tight end, and George Fant can provide that role of kind of being that big tight end slash sixth lineman who does some blocking. So right now that's maybe the bigger concern, but they really like what they saw to those guys. And as you said, the offense, they didn't change what they did. They played their game and played it well. The loss of Will Disley is the biggest bummer coming out of Sunday. You know, you were hoping that you were not only going to get through that clean, but for it to happen to Will, I I just, you know, for fans, I hope that you've been able to see his personality, his grit. Uh, He was smiling in the locker room postgame. If that was me, I probably wouldn't have been. He is such, such a classy guy. Yeah, and you just hate it for a kid who, to have it happen two years in a row, where we're not talking, you know, ankle or whatever injuries. I mean, these are two of the more serious injuries players deal with. The patellar tendon and now the Achilles where it's just, you know, that long rehab and out for the year and all that. It's it's brutal. And, uh, you know, the only encouraging thing you can say about it is he showed already that he knows how to go through the rehab and come back from a terrible injury and be, you know, as good as ever, if not better. So it's, it's a big loss for the Seahawks, and it's tough for him, but I think we're all confident he'll bounce back strong. Moving on from that one, Chris Carson, again, with the yards, with the carries. Is there a point where the Seahawks would ever have to consider limiting those carries, just given how hard those yards are? I mean, yes and no. It's Ideally, you're mixing it up a little bit more, and Rashad Penny's injuries kind of probably contributed to the bigger workload. If he's back this week, again, we'll, we'll hear more from Pete Carroll at the end of the week on his status. But if he's back, then, yeah, maybe you take a few touches off his plate. It's... But it's so hard in game when a guy like Chris Carson is doing his thing and playing so well. It's hard to take the ball out of his hands. It is. And as long as the ball is in Russell Wilson's hands, everything is going to be okay. And here's the thing. We've talked about Russell Wilson and the numbers. A, I cannot believe that people are labeling this as he's finally in consideration for the MVP. Do you think that he just came out of nowhere? Why is it that now, and I guess it's because there have been folks who have fallen off a little bit, so they're not getting as many of the headlines. 
That just seems ridiculous. Well, I to think me. it's just yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he shouldn't have been in in the running before, but a couple things are in play. The numbers, as good as he's always been, the numbers are even better yes. right now. Um, just all you know, the six straight games with the hundred passer rating, no interceptions, and then also the way the team has started the season. It's a little harder to talk about a guy as an MVP candidate six games in if the team's three and three or four and two or whatever, and and someone else is on a 6-0 and team. But you start looking around the league, there's you know only a handful of teams with better records, and there's nobody playing better than him right now. So, well, yeah, he's he is very much in the conversation nationwide now. And he's got the intangibles that don't always show up, but we have seen some of these quarterbacks struggle and get flustered when they can't get calls in or, or when you know there's just a little bit added confusion, whether it be noise or play clock running down. We saw Russell go without a working headset on Sunday. That's right up for him. You know, he, he, he lives for those kinds of opportunities, and he, he did a great job. Took it over, made a couple great calls, and moved the ball right down the field. And Shadi was screaming at the guys to get the other helmet, you know, organized and get out in the field. Uh, so he was busy doing that. But, um, no, nah, it, was, it was a good opportunity, good moment in the game for, for Russ to take, you know, take charge of it. And he did fine, quite fine, quite well. Quite well indeed. And, you know, Russell says that really is why you practice every week, right? I mean, he's got the body of work. He also has the demeanor to do that. Yeah, the demeanor, I think, is the key there. Is There are young quarterbacks or maybe even veteran ones who would kind of panic there and get flustered, especially on the road. But he is about as calm and cool as any player you will find in the NFL, probably in sports when, when the chips are down. So, yeah, he just went out there. You know, it's, this isn't completely foreign to any quarterback, especially a veteran one. There's times in hurry-up offense where for the sake of speeding things up, you're just calling plays, you know, two plays in advance in a huddle or whatever and go, go, go. Or there's times where you make changes at the line of scrimmage. He has the ability to do that. So it's not crazy for him to call a drive, but the whole thing like that, it's it's unique, and it worked out great. They got a touchdown out of it. So, yeah, it's it, it speaks to his experience, his just how calm he is, his knowledge of the offense and the game plan. You know, that that's not like he was just totally winging it. He knows what shot he likes to call and what they would do in those situations, and it worked out great. You know, the thing that Pete Carroll said Russ could get better at, and it's hard to find something that he could get better at, but it is making the decisions on third down and improving that third down percentage. And it's something that Pete said Friday before we left and, and went to Cleveland. So I took a look at those third down numbers following the Browns game. And the Seahawks ended up being pretty well, 46% on third down opportunities. They ended up six for 13. But, John, there's a little bit of a caveat in there because I was tracking this during the game. The Hawks were only three of 10 with about nine minutes to play. Now, that's before they they scored for the final time. They ended up converting on three straight third-down opportunities right when they needed it, right? So I don't want to I don't yeah, want to take away from that, right? That's game, huge yeah. because we have seen them not be able to do that in the past. But what do we make of those third-down numbers and, and where the Seahawks are missing some of these opportunities earlier? You know, to me, most of the Seahawks' third-down struggles this year are really first and second down struggles. This has been a good third down team when, you know, Russell's operating in third, four, five, six, whatever. I, you know, I can't think of a lot of opportunities. There's been a few they've missed, but generally if they keep it short, they get it. It's, you know, they're better at that this week, but it's the times that you have the third and 15, third and 10, because maybe there's a penalty or a run that there got stuck. There was a stuffed. couple of penalties last yeah, week. Yeah, there were a few, but they're, you know. Anyway. 
long story short, I feel pretty good about this third team on third down if they keep it manageable after first and second down. I I just think they need to clean up the issues in those early downs that have led to some of the third down problems. All right, I will not stress about that now. I will, however, note that we have made it this far without mentioning perhaps the most exciting thing that is happening to the Seahawks this week, reinforcements coming in the form of Jaron Reed. Yeah, it's great to have Jay Reed come back to us um He's like a little kid, you know, at Christmas time. He's so excited to be back with his teammates and be back with us. Um, it seemed like it went kind of fast to us. It didn't for him. I asked him specifically that. It seemed like it took forever. Um, he's been such an integral part of our, of our club. It's great to have him back in the locker room. And, and uh, his play is, you know, exceptional too. So uh, we, I don't, don't know what to tell you about how it's going to go. I haven't seen him, you know, on the field yet. Um, I know he worked really hard from uh, everything he said to stay abreast with his conditioning and all of that, and he looks good and strong and all, and, and we'll just have to wait and see how he handles it. So Jaron Reed returns. This is obviously a huge boost to the defensive line and to the defense in general who gave up just over 400 yards of total offense to Cleveland last week, and we saw where they tightened things down after Bobby Wagner read him the riot act at the beginning of the second quarter. But having Jaron there, what does that do both from a physical football standpoint and another voice in there? Well, first off, I, I will say with the 406 yards, 102 of those were in the or 104 Agreed. were in the yep. second half. So it was, it was a lot so of So they shut early. him down in the second half, yes. Anyway, to Jaron Reed, I think it's two, thi- two big things. We've talked a lot about the pass rush. Understandably, the CX have gone two games without a sack. Getting that guy in there, even if he's not getting all the sacks, he's the kind of guy that can, can collapse a pocket, take up an extra blocker, and help free other guys up. And then, as you said, the extra voice, he really emerged as a leader last season with Michael Bennett moving on, Cliff Averill moving on. He, you know, before you had these big, powerful veteran voices last year, he stepped up and became a real leader of that defense. I mean, Bobby and KJ are always going to be the guys as long as they're here. But he was, Jaron was also a leader there, and having him in that group is going to help everybody. The Seahawks right now 26th in the league in quarterback sacks and quarterback knockdowns. And we would have thought going in that Baker Mayfield would have been, I don't want to say target, we're not talking about targeting, but it just seems like, man, that pass rush should have gotten there a little bit more. Why didn't it? And at this point, are we starting to panic, right? Like, at what point does this start to become a legitimate, okay, guys? I mean, yeah, Pete Carroll's kind of said that. He's like, I keep saying I'm going to be patient with it. And he kind of even joked about it. He's like, I don't know how long I can get away with saying that. But it's... I, I definitely don't think panic's the right word, but it's concerning. You know, you, you go out and add some big-name pass rushers, and it hasn't been there so far. But, you know, I think we really saw the Browns recognize that they had struggled to protect Baker Mayfield, and they got the ball out really quick. And I think their hope was if they did that, they could clean up their offense. I think what we saw is, yeah, they avoided the hits, but maybe some of those quick passes, the timing was a little off, and we saw balls a little behind a receiver, bounce off a guy's hands, and it led to a lot of turnovers. So the way Pete Carroll looks at it is, look, we got four turnovers. We held him to a 50-whatever passer rating. That's still a pretty good day in the pass defense, even if you weren't affecting him by the pass rush getting home. But, yeah, they, they need to – I mean, you got to start getting to the quarterback at some point. Yeah. And some of those, I will also back up and say, some of those yards uh, that were given up by the defense, there were some chunk plays where oh, there was a sure. couple of guys that were out of lanes. Yeah, that, that, that skews the numbers. A big bust on that, what it was, a 31-yard touchdown, wherever that was. So, yeah, some, some big mistakes that cost them. But, uh, yeah, the, the pass rush, I think, is still going to come around. However, 
you cannot just sweep these things under the rug when you've got the Baltimore Ravens coming into town because quarterback Lamar Jackson has left everybody saying Joe Flacco who? I mean, like, yeah. isn't that funny? Or Not funny. It's just kind of interesting, right? And and the Ravens are on a roll. They've won three straight games. He's been awesome. I mean, and I mean, I know Joe Flacco meant a lot to that franchise and led him to a Super Bowl, but as soon as they drafted Lamar Jackson, the writing was on the wall. Cause not just cause you used a first round pick, but anyone who watched him in college, I don't know why I'm sure people have their reasons, but when you hear teams talking about wanting to work him out at receiver and all that before they draft, that just seemed asinine. And now we're seeing it. I mean, he's, he's been amazing and it's not just, I mean, the running, he's their leading rusher. He's an incredible runner, but, as a passer, he's been awesome this year as well, and that offense is looking super dangerous. He is completing 65% of his passes, and as John just said, he is on pace to rush for 1,200 yards. And I, I want to back up and say, look, there are going to be some comparisons to Russell Wilson. Yeah, right? any mobile quarterback. Except the Ravens use Lamar Jackson very differently to run the ball versus Russ, and I do worry about what that means for Lamar Jackson in the future because right now yeah. he's fantastic. But why he, is it different from what we see with Russ? Well, with, at this stage in Russ's career, I mean, there are a few designed runs. There's a read option, but they're not calling a lot of specific designed run plays. And as you said, you kind of worry about a guy who's – I mean, he's not going to run – he had 17 rushes last year, two kneel downs, so he was credited with 19 runs, but 17 actual rushes – you can't do that every week, and they know that, and he's too valuable to them as a quarterback to put him at risk. But the big thing for any running quarterback, and I think Lamar Jackson's starting to do this more, is what we've always seen from Russell Wilson is avoiding the hits. It's fine to run. You can run 10, 15 times a game as a quarterback if you're sliding or getting out of bounds. It's when you're fight, constantly fighting for the extra yards, getting beat up, it, then it can be dangerous. So, you know, for, for just the sake of a fan of the game, I sure hope he stays healthy because he's really fun to watch. He is one of the reasons that the Ravens are averaging 205 rushing yards a game. That is by far the best in the league. They have run for uh, over 218 the last couple of games. Seattle, by the way, second best in the league at 151, I read somewhere. Although I'm looking at different numbers here. But we'll just say that Seattle's averaging over 130 yards a game. There you go. And... This is going to be a battle on the ground. But what I want to look at is Lamar Jackson in the air with all of those pass completions. And look, the Ravens are also converting on 46% of their third downs as a season average. That's going to put some pressure on the secondary. And it's going to be another chance for Shaq Griffin to show what he has shown us all year. He continues to play really well. His his numbers are starting to add up about his passive defense and all. And, and uh He's been very consistent, a huge play down on the goal line. You know, it was a great break on the ball and a uh, great job getting the ball tipped up and, and also uh, Tedrick could make his play. But um, Shaq has, has just been playing great football. He's, he's just is, he's where the jump where you'd hope from year one to year two, it really didn't happen. You know, honestly, it just didn't, just didn't show as much, is now totally visible. And uh, he's banking on all the, the two years that he's had and fit and strong and, and – confident and all that. Shaq is getting a lot of praise from Pete Carroll and the Seahawks used a slightly different combo at safety last week and I, I think part of that is just to keep everybody in the mix. You might need something like that this week when you know that they can go downfield. Yeah, it, it was interesting to see they kind of rotated the guys in. We saw a little bit of Lano Hill in there. We saw a little bit of Marquise Blair. 
yeah, I, I think it's just you want guys to be ready, and it's hard to – when you talk about, like, so-and-so is all in the competition, he's competing for playing time. At some point, practice isn't enough. They need to get some game reps to really see what they're doing when, when it's live action. So that I think that's going to be a pretty fun, interesting situation to watch as the year develops. And then, as Pete Carroll said, competition can be a good thing. We saw Tedrick Thompson kind of respond to that with a really good game. He had second straight game with an interception. So, yeah, that, that I don't think – everything's settled there and might not be for a little bit. Let's flip this back over here to the Seahawks offense, Ravens defense. The Ravens defense has allowed 55 rushing yards in each of the last two games. This seems like it could be a challenge. What do the Seahawks have to do to make sure that they are still playing in the style that Pete wants to play? I mean, you're going to hear them say they got to be committed to it and they, you know, they got to they got to work on being physical and all those things. But they've also shown a willingness to adjust. The game that always jumps out to me was Carolina last year where Carolina just loaded the box, stopped the run and they kind of said, "Okay, fine, we're going to chuck it." And Russell Wilson threw for 300 some yards, a couple touchdowns. So, this ability this offense has the ability to adjust. They're going to try to run the ball, but I don't think they'll be too stubborn about it and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the passing game because the Ravens have given up some pretty big numbers there, but they did go out and just add Marcus Peters. They've got a pretty familiar name to Seahawks fans at free safety in Earl Thomas. I was Thomas, wondering so. how long it was going to take for Earl's name to come up. It, you know, even though the numbers have been big, that's a very dangerous secondary, and it's going to be a challenge. And I always wonder kind of the chess match in this situation where they know each other very well. Earl practiced against Russell Wilson for seven years, so it's going to be – Fun to see how that battle plays out. What do you think the reaction is of the fans? I hope it's good. I mean, I, I get it. It almost always ends awkwardly in professional sports when someone leaves. There aren't a lot of graceful departures unless it's a guy retiring. So I understand there might be some fans who don't like what happened last year, how it ended. But this is a guy, I mean, we're talking about a Hall of Fame talent who was a vital piece of the best defenses, the best teams in team history helped you win a Super Bowl, is just competitive and fiery a guy as you could have out there. I mean, he really embodies a lot of what Pete Carroll loves about this game. So I would hope that fans can look at the big picture and everything he meant to the team for nine years and everything he gave to the team and not focus too much on kind of an awkward exit. Well, and he did have 28 interceptions while in Seattle. One more point on this defense before I get – the things that you have to have on Sunday, and that is this. I will be curious to see if Earl is part of the blitz packages because the Baltimore defense blitzes 38% of the time. Excuse me, 35.8% of the time. They are among the best in the league when it comes to quarterback knockdowns, and yet it has only resulted in 11 sacks. So, A, I don't know enough about who they're bringing on their blitz packages. Wouldn't surprise me if Earl is trying to get in on one of those and if he has a little face-to-face with Russell Wilson in an attempt to bring him down and sack him. But, two, what does that mean for that offensive line and for everybody else on the offense? Because we saw Cleveland bring a lot of pressure that you mentioned George Fant had to had to fend off at left tackle. What does that mean for Sunday? I mean, I think it, it means you got to – either A, make sure you're leaving enough guys in to protect, or B, getting the ball out quickly, and I think they'll do a little bit of both. It also, you know, going back to earlier conversation, being able to run the ball helps with that a lot. It can kind of cool the blitz off, but you know, I go back to that touchdown, the first touchdown to Jerome Brown, where they bring pressure, 
and Russ just stands in there. You don't want him taking that hit over and over. But that was a big hit. To be able to – he saw the blitz coming. You see him make a little adjustment at the line. He knew the pressure was coming, and he got that ball out lightning quick and was a great play. So, you know, you got to you gotta be ready to just get get it out and know when the pressure's coming, and then you got to protect well enough that your quarterback doesn't get beat up too bad. That seems very reasonable. We will get the final thoughts in the form of the thing that you have to see this week if the Seahawks are going to get a win. All right. I want to see Russ continue his hot streak because, as you just outlined, this is a, a tough defense to run on. And while the Seahawks, we hope they can run it and we know they're going to try, it might come down to to the passing game. So, Let's let's keep that no interception streak going. I think if Russell Wilson can keep the ball in the hands of those defensive backs, the offense is going to be just fine. Other side, I want to keep Lamar Jackson under. Let's say we won't be too greedy. Let's say fifty passing rushing yards. Excuse me. Oh. I, I'm okay letting him. You know, we've seen this defense kind of let guys get their passing yards underneath and and work work their way down the field that way. But I think on the road. You make him beat you with his arm. Again, he's a great passer. This is not meant to be disparaging to him, but make him just be a quarterback and not be a quarterback and the best rusher on the team because that's that's too much to ask. I'm going to give these two things. I want two more takeaways by the Seahawks defense because for as good of a passer as he is, he can be inaccurate, as you're saying, when you bring some pressure. So I'd like at least two more takeaways by the defense, and I'd like a touchdown for DK Metcalf. We have seen Russell go to him in some more pressure situations. Let's see him in the end zone celebrating. And I think we could see DK Metcalf needing to kind of step up and be even bigger part of the passing game with, with Will Disley out because you, you lose that tight end production there and that's we saw it in the game even where Jerron Brown and Disley really had to step up there play a little bit. Yeah, and he is a big, he big is. target. He kind of looks like a tight end. He does. Only, <laughs> only he runs 4-3-3. Three, three. He does indeed. Uh, I'm certainly not going to challenge him. I'm not going to challenge John on those numbers either. And that will do it for this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. We'll see you next week. <laughs>